Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. I have something to share with you today. You know, I thought about when I was preparing uh, this message, which actually was uh, at the beginning of the week uh, when I was really pouring into it, and I thought about sharing something having to do with kind of the election. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give something that I think is going to be very, very practical in helping us in our daily lives, because uh, quite frankly, it didn't matter uh, who won and who won the election. The point is, is that we need to be serving God with all of our hearts, period. Amen? And there's an issue that I often see up in counseling. I still do, uh, of course, a good bit of counseling. And, and something that I see come up in counseling a lot, oftentimes this, this issue can be between a husband and wife. This issue can be between a parent and a child. Uh, also, you can see this uh, even in, in, in the workplace between an employee and their boss and or a coworker, and, and it can seem kind of innocuous at times. It can seem like not that big of a deal initially, and, and if just kind of segmented out. It doesn't seem like such a, a big deal, but it, 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 there's some ramifications to it, some, something like this. The wife asks the husband to take out the garbage. <laughs> now, that, that got laughs here. Everybody watching a lot. You got to understand, of course, why? Because that's, that's uh, uh, maybe a fairly stereotypical but uh, relatable point to uh, a lot of us husbands out there, right? The wife asks the husband to take out the garbage, and he says, yes, I will do it later, right? Isn't that, I mean, that's the standard answer that we give, right? It's like, hey, can you take out the garbage? Yes, 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 I'll, I'll get it, I'll get it, I'll get it later, I'll do it later, I'll do it later tonight. It always seems to be the answer, yes, I will do it later. And then the alarm goes off, right, the next morning, and, and I see some of the wives nodding their heads here in this place. Okay, listen, if you're watching from home with your spouse, it's not right to actually hit them with the elbow, okay? It's not good because the alarm goes off the next morning, you go downstairs, and there the garbage still is not taken out. I know that's never happened to any of you. Uh, it has happened to me. Okay, there's the garbage still sitting there. Or, or a parent tells the child, go clean up your room. <laughs> Listen, I have a, a pair of teenagers. Uh, we have a pair of teenagers at home, Revitson and I do. And, and uh, go clean up your room. And the child says, yes, okay, I will, I will, I will. And then it doesn't get done, right? I can see a lot of head nods in here. It's very relatable. The boss says to submit a thorough report. 
and the employee and the employee turns in an abbreviated one and late. <laughs> See, in each of these situations, there did not always seem to be an intent not to meet the expectations. There did not seem. There didn't seem to be an intent not to meet the expectations, but yet they were clearly unmet. The expectations were clearly unmet, even though there was not the intent to. How many of you have ever heard the expression, actions speak louder than words? Yeah, anybody? Yeah, everybody's heard that. Actions speak louder than words, right, Cindy? That, it, that, that's just so true. Uh, and, and we see this actually in Scripture because these examples that I've given you are small examples and, and perhaps not of ultimate or great significance, but yet these little things, sometimes little things can mean a lot. And sometimes little things are important things. And Yeshua tells us of a parable of much larger significance. Yeshua here was speaking to the priests, and he said something to them. Now we're going to go to Matthew chapter 21, if you'd like to follow along. Uh, and Yeshua says something to the priests who, are, who he's speaking with at that time. Uh, and because they're coming to him, and I'll give you a little bit more of the context in just a, in just a minute, but first... Let's read the, the story and the parable of, of what he tells uh, the, the priests at the time. These were Levitical priests. Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 28. So this is what Yeshua says to them. Now, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go work in the vineyard today. The son answered, I won't. But afterward, he had a change of heart and went. The man went to the second son and said the same thing. But he answered, I will, sir, and didn't go. Which of the two men did the will of the father? The first, they said. Yeshua said to them, Amen. I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are going ahead of you in the kingdom of God. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. And even after you saw this, you had no change of heart to believe him. Oof. Man, that, yeah, that is, yeah, that is, <laughs> that is intense. Yeshua was very, very strongly speaking to the priests in this way, way because, my friends, good intentions will only get you so far. The best of intentions will only get you so far. You've heard the old English proverb, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And so oftentimes that's true. That's an English proverb. It's not in the scripture, but it's, a, but it's a biblical principle, really. You may have the best of intentions, but intentions alone are not enough. It's sad but true. My mind can recount, and I know some of you, Dr. It's so interesting. We have some people on the front row here who happen to have been at Bethel for very many years. The, the, the people we have in the front row all have been at Bethel many years. 
And it's so interesting to me, right, as I reflect and I think about it, how many people have passed through these pews over the years, right? Many people have passed through these pews over the years, and yet many, there are some who even no, no longer even actively serve the Lord. Why? Why? It isn't because most of them made a conscious decision not to serve God. It's, it's not so much that. It's not so much that somebody said, I am no longer going to serve God. I don't believe in God. No, no, no. It's not so much that. It's rather, the truth is, they likely intended to continue serving God, but other stuff just got in the way. Other stuff just got in the way. And, other, and then they started forming other habits, and then suddenly what? Boop. They're not here. And there are plenty of empty spaces in the pews right now. No, I know. I'm kind of joking on that because we're limiting space. I understand. Where we've it's intentionally placed the you know, room between everybody. So I'm kind of joking when I say that. But symbolically. But, but the truth is, is that there are plenty of people who are no longer actively pursuing God anymore. And it's not because they intended to. If you had asked them 10 years ago, whatever it was, do you intend in 10 years to be continuing to serve God? They would have said, yes, of course. But yet they don't, they're not here. And they're not serving God anywhere. Mazeh, what's this? Porque, why? <laughs> we'll just go into some different languages. Why? Because something was lost in translation. I don't know. They're not here. <laughs> they're not here. They may have had great intentions. This is one of those key life principles, my friends, that has very, very, very serious implications on how your life will go. Because I'm going to tell you something, and again, I've seen it in counseling many times, beloved. Enough times, enough times telling your wife that you'll take out the trash and then not doing it will eventually lead to a breakdown of trust between the two of you. Something so topically banal leads to sensitivity, which leads to mistrust, which leads to an unhappy marriage. Why? Because actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. Well, Rabbi, I had every intent I had every intent to take out the garbage. What's the big deal? Not taking out the garbage. Who cares? It's not a big deal taking out the garbage. It's not about the garbage, she says. It's about the fact that you keep telling me you're going to take out the garbage, but you never do it. See, it's a trust issue. Oh, I don't mean to. I don't think about it. I just get caught up watching the game or, or, or being on the internet or you, you understand, it's not, it may not be the, uh, the conscious intent, but you see, intentions are not what really matter. What matters is action. This is what Yeshua said in this story. All these, these priests who, who, who kind of represented themselves as having everything together, and Yeshua said, hold on, no, 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 remember, which of the two sons had it right? Which of the two sons had it right? You know, the, the the first son said, no, I don't want to go. But then he had a change of heart. And, and he compared these to the, to, to, the, to the prostitutes and the heathens who, who, who did not, weren't interested in God. But then they had a change of heart and then they were sincere in their pursuit of God. 
you know, I think about this amongst people like my, my parents, uh, our retired rabbi and, and, and my mom, our retired Revitson, who's now in heaven, of course, uh, of blessed memory. You know, they, they were out, they were not part of, they were not part of people who were serving God at first. They, they, they were part of the, the, the first crew who said, no, no, and they're really not interested in the God thing. But yet, boom, when the Lord touched them, they had a change of heart, and then they were passionate for God. Here were were these Jewish people who were just secular. They were secular. Yeah, they went to Hebrew school. They went to Hebrew school. Mom had had Jewish education, religious education. Okay, but, but, but then what? But then what? You know, there was not an active relationship with God. And, and, and it, was, um, uh, it, it was not a priority for them. But then suddenly it was. It doesn't matter when. The, the, the matter is, it's got to be if. You've got, you've got to have that change. Unlike some people who just kind of exhibit religiosity but are insincere. People who will, will sit there and, and, and will try to judge other people and try to be holier than thou and high and mighty and say, hello, oh, look at all the, the bad people around. And you know people like this. And Yeshua was pointing this out to them. Very, very interesting. There's so many applications to this principle. Intentions. What you intend versus action. Actions speak louder than words. I intend to speak more kindly to my husband. <laughs> that is my full intention. I intend to speak more kindly to him. It's good. I intend to tithe. I intend to share the message of Yeshua with others. I intend to pray more regularly. I intend to read the Bible more. I intend to clean up my language. I intend to be less negative and critical. I intend to be forgiving. I will, sir. I will, sir. Yes. These these are my intentions. I will, sir. That's what the second son said to his father. I will, sir. I love how it's put in there. I will, sir. I'll do what you asked. I'll go to the vineyard and work. I have every intention to do so. But intentions only get you so far. Intentions only get you so far. No, beloved, we need action, not intentions. Action. The first son wasn't particularly excited about working in the vineyard at first. He wasn't particularly, son, go work in the vineyard. Oy. That's, that's if you understand the translation there. That's what he said. <laughs> you got to have a Hebrew mindset to understand that, what that meant. Okay, oy, gavolt, what do you want from me already? son go work in the vineyard he wasn't particularly excited about working in the vineyard at first but then Yeshua tells us he had a change of heart what you say has some relevance but not nearly as much as what you do what you do right that has the real relevance that's of great importance what you do thinking thinking you were wrong is nice yeah, let me think. Boy, I think I was wrong in that. Well, that's nice. Apologizing is better. <laughs> Hello. Every, 
everybody makes mistakes, but you got to own it and apologize if you make a mistake. It's, it's crazy how that's uh, two of the hardest words in the human language to say. I'm sorry. Wanting to do one of the chores that your spouse normally does to be nice is nice. But actually doing them is infinitely better. Doing a good job at work is wonderful. Rather, desiring to do a good job at work is wonderful. But actually performing above expectations is much, much better. Okay, you understand the difference between intentions and actions, and it's a very important biblical life principle that has many applications that, by the way, will make you more successful in your career as well if you, if you follow this principle. And Yeshua couches it in the most important of matters. He challenged the religious leaders by essentially saying to them that they supposedly want to work for the kingdom of God, and yet they're not actually doing that. They may seem like good and respectable people on the outside, but really they've rejected God's plan. While others who are out, who are out there living for themselves have experienced true salvation in the words of Yeshua and had a change of heart, and now they're doing the work of their heavenly Father. It's a powerful rebuke that Yeshua brings these religious leaders, but it's also an encouragement for us to follow through with action and not just words. Some of you may think about this even in your own life, how, how you, you, you may talk a good game. And, and you know, honestly, your, your people who are close to you are good um, barometers and, and will give you good feedback on, on what you're doing in this regard. If you're married... Ask your spouse. Be open, though, but, 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 but tell them you're not going to you know, pull out a weapon if they, if, they tell you <laughs> if they tell you something that you don't want to hear. If you're not married, maybe it's, maybe it's one of your best friends. Maybe it's your, your parent, even if you're an adult or, or a child or a coworker. Titus chapter 1. Rabbi Shaul was warning Titus of some religious leaders and this is interesting because he was warning of some of the religious leaders in the believing Jewish community who were trying to follow some of the Jewish oral traditions that stood in contradiction to the commands of God. It's interesting. It's in, the, in the context, what he's talking about, and this is oftentimes what Yeshua did because as you know, if you know anything about uh, traditional Judaism, there's the, the written law, the, the Torah, but they also have what they call the oral law, okay, the, the Talmud and such, which was even had some of its roots during the time of Yeshua. Of course, they would say it would even be much older. But, but truth be told, some of these oral traditions, even in the time of Yeshua and certainly today, were taking precedent over what the word of God was saying. And so Yeshua was warning this community about people who were putting the traditions above the word of God. Nothing wrong with tradition, you understand. Jewish tradition is of great importance. And sometimes it helps us understand the word of God. 
but it can never supersede the Word of God. It is always submitted to the Word of God. You understand? The Word of God comes number one. Okay, so Titus chapter 1, verse 16, uh, Rabbi Shul Paul the Shaliach says, regarding these religious leaders, believing, they claim to know God, but their deeds deny Him. They are despicable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Ooh, subtle, huh? <laughs> you get the idea that Rabbi Shaul told it like it was, don't you? I mean, he didn't beat around the bush on that one, did he? I mean, he was just straight up. Wow, they came to know, they claim to know God, right? But their deeds deny him. Do you see how this relates to what we're talking about here? Rabbi Shaul calls them out. They make claims with their mouth, but their deeds are saying something different. We recognize the, the, uh, the, um, uh, when people are not being sincere, the insincerity of people when they do this. They're not being genuine. They're ingenuous, if you will. Today, we'd recognize these people as saying, do what I say, not what I do. You've heard that expression before, right? You know, sometimes parents supposedly say, but, but that should not be any of our mantras. But you know people who act like this. Do what I say, not what I do. No, 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 no. That's no good, my friends. These people were not taking action. They were merely talking a good game. Friends, don't just talk a good game. You actually have to, to do and play a good game, not just talk a good game. You know, people in the NBA would call that smack talking. You know, you, you don't just, you don't diss your, diss people. No, no, you, you back it up, you, you play the game. And you play the game hard. Don't just talk a good game. Yaakov teaches us this too. The book of Yaakov, please. James chapter two. I love the book of James, my favorite new covenant book. Uh, so, of course, his real name is Jacob, as you know. Uh, mistranslated into James. But in any case, James chapter two. Starting in verse 14, I love this. Oh my gosh, it's so powerful. And, and hopefully you've heard this before, but, but thinking about it in this context will, will hopefully give you some more motivation to put it into practice in your life. Jacob says this, verse 14, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in shalom, keep warm and well-fed, but you do not give them what the body needs, what good is that? So also faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith, but I have works. Show me your faith without works, but I will show you faith by my works. Wow, this is a very, very powerful passage. I think it's one of the, the strongest, most important things that, that we read in, uh, in, in the various books of the New Covenant. This is regarding true faith. True faith, my friends. The principle here is one that can be pervasive and that is pervasive throughout Scripture and throughout our lives. You can't just say it. You have to do it. See, Chavarim, following God can't merely be an intellectual exercise. It's a full body workout. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good, right? Okay, hear me on this. Okay, I'm coming over here. Is that 
Some, for some people, the belief in God, right, is, is, is all up here, is all up here. And, may, and they get into the weeds when it comes to the intellectual uh, processes necessary. And listen, it's important to understand God with all of our mind too, right? We read that uh, via Hafta, all of our mind, okay, that that's important also. But, but belief in God truly should be a full body workout, not just a mental exercise. A mental exercise means, okay, you gotta got it up here. And that's all well and good, but you got to have it all here, too. And you got to have it here, too. It's pretty good. I can still do that there. <laughs> okay, you got to, in other words, you got to walk it out. You, you, you got to actually do what you know, not just know it. Knowing it is important, but knowing it without doing it is faith without works. Scripture says your faith is dead. It's worthless. No, 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 you got to actually do it, not just have faith. And, and what does he say? He's talking about helping people who are, who are needy. Okay, that, that's something that we all can, can, can pitch in with. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. I'm really excited that we're starting back. Once a month, we go to the homeless shelter, and we buy all the food, and we cook the food, and we serve the food, and we share a, a message of hope with people at the homeless shelter and we're starting back up. You know, they didn't let us come in for a while with the whole COVID thing, but the, we're, we're starting back up this month. Uh, Sandra and the team do such a wonderful job leading that. If you're interested in helping with that, contact the office. We can get you in touch with Sandra. But, but, but you can see how timely that is. Sandra, uh, you're, you're watching or, or you'll be here tomorrow. Uh, and so isn't that true? Faith without works is dead. We actually have to, to use our faith and not just speak our faith. It's good to say you have faith, but it's an entirely different ballgame to get out of the boat and walk on the water. <laughs> it's, it's great, right, Dr. Garber? Remember Rabbi E used to talk about that? It's so true is that, hey, it's great to have faith. We have faith. That's wonderful. But only one guy got out of that boat and, and walked on the water with Yeshua, right, Peter? Sometimes you got to get out of the boat and walk on the water. You know, I can't walk on the water. Well, well you're not putting your faith into action. Sometimes you got to really take some steps. Sometimes you got to take some steps. I remember my, my brother David is here in the back, and, and, and he remembers some too. But back in the early days, I remember when uh, my parents, Rabbi and uh, Robert and Diane, when they started the, the congregation, the ministry that's Bethel, man, they got some serious encouragement back in the late, mid, late 70s when they were starting the ministry that's become this congregation, they got some serious encouragement. People came to them and they said, it'll never work. <laughs> they said, what are you even thinking of? I mean, I mean, we got it from both sides. I mean, you understand that, that our, our traditional Jewish brothers and sisters would say, what? Jesus, Yeshua, he's, for the, he's a, the Gentile God. Not knowing that the authors of the new covenant all were, they were Jewish. They, they celebrated the feasts, the festivals. They, it, it was 100% Jewish for many years, as we see in the New Covenant. They, they continued to worship on Shabbat. They continued to worship in the synagogue. They continued to do Passover, Shavuot, Sukkot, all the holidays. They continued to eat kosher. I mean, it's all right there in the New Covenant if you, if you care to read it. Okay, but, but that was the encouragement they got on that side. And then this was back but before there was this uh, desire and interest in the Jewish roots of the faith and from the, 
the, the non-Jewish Christian side. And so the non-Jewish Christian side would say to my parents, what are you doing? You're putting up a middle wall of partition. You're, you're going back under the, 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 the curse of the law and, and, and you just need to convert. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Of course, them not understanding that, wow, it's, it's rather ironic you say that. Because there was a whole debate in the New Covenant. We read about it in Acts chapter 15. There was a whole debate among the early believers. They, in fact, they had a giant council about it. And what was the debate? The debate was not whether or not Jewish people could remain Jewish when they believe in Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah. That was not the debate. Read about it in Acts chapter 15. The debate was, can Gentiles accept Yeshua? Or do they have to convert to Judaism first? That was the debate that was in Acts 15. Can we, can we allow Gentiles to come into this faith believing in Yeshua? And their eventual conclusion was, yes, there can be the, the Gentile for Jesus movement. A little joke there, okay? <laughs> okay, yes, there can be. They, they do not have to convert. They can stay and stood, should stay Gentile and still believe in the Jewish Messiah. But that was the debate in the first century. It's in the New Covenant. It's written right in there for anybody who wants to read it. And now, boy, it's just been turned totally on its head. But, but clearly, what we see what the Scriptures say. But this is why Bethlehem and other Messianic Jewish congregations are so special. Why? Because we have Jewish and Gentile. Jewish and Gentile. Neither one better than the other. Both worshiping together in a Jewish way, right? This is where there's great power and strength, that one new man, Jew and Gentile coming together. And, and there's, there's great beauty in that. It's interesting. Uh, I've been informed by my, my podcast team that right now, some of the highest listenership I have in, in, in the Bethel podcast is actually in the country of India right now. Why? I have no idea. I have no idea, but I just think that's totally amazing. So if you're listening right now from India, may God bless you. See, that's the beauty of, of, of God and the, and the faith of the Lord, that it transcends culture. It, 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 it's, it's worldwide. And doesn't that make sense, even my Jewish brother or sister? If there is a God, and if he is the Jewish God, then surely he wants the word to be spread to all the world and not just to the Jewish people. And that's what Messianic Judaism seeks to do, bring Jew and Gentile together. Wow, boy, this is very exciting. Not exactly, I've gotten a little bit on a rabbit trail. I recognize that. My, 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 my point is that my parents, when they started here, they didn't just talk a good game when they started. And they got all that feedback. I'll say it nicely, right? When they got all that feedback from all these different people, they could have said, well, you know what? This is too hard. Forget it. You know, oh, Lord, this is our heart's desire, but whatever. You'll have to make it happen, God. Oh, you know, people, you could easily pray that, right? No, no, no. They, they spent their blood, sweat, and tears to, to build what we have here today. And, and as my brother likes to say, change the world in the process, Messianic Judaism is the fastest growing branch of Judaism today. It's absolutely amazing. But, but they had to follow. It couldn't have just been with their lips. It had to be with their actions. Don't just intend to do good. Do good. Proverbs chapter 6. 
I'm telling you this, this principle has so many implications in your life. I want you to consider what my great-grandfather, King Solomon, said. <laughs> yeah, Grandpa was something else. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 6. <laughs> he was also, I think he was in the mode of, of Rabbi Shaul and that he told it like it was. He says, go to the ant, you slacker. <laughs> Just, that's a great line, isn't it? Can you believe that's in the Bible? That's hilarious. He, he's calling people slackers. I just love it. I love it. I know it's a translation, but it's just hilarious. Go to the ant, you slacker. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, the ant, right? It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it prepares its provisions in summer and gathers its food in harvest. How long will you lie there, slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, and your poverty comes like a bandit, and your need like an armed man. Ooh, wow. <laughs> so friends, we can't be slackers. We can't be a whole bunch of slackers here. I love we have a congregation that's not a bunch of slackers. I, I love the people we have here at Beth Hillel. I think of people like Chris and Jeremy and Keziah who stepped up to, to help us get online so quickly when the pandemic hit. It's unbelievable. I had some people just this week comment to me, wow, boy, you guys, it's unbelievable what you've done. I've had other congregations. Jeremy, I had uh, other con another congregation, a large congregation, this week call me up and say, we're, we're really struggling. How'd you guys do that? We need some help. And I'm like, wow, it's rather ironic us being asked for help, considering we didn't know what we were doing six months ago. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And we have a great staff as well. I think of Dara and Amber and, and, and Jesus, uh, who are all here today. They've gone the extra mile to get us going again with everything. And that's plus the other team members we have, Darnay and Kate, William. And we have so many wonderful volunteers who help so much, our Havara leaders uh, and the Shamashim and Zakanim, you know, the, the Havara leaders who've been keeping in contact with you people, other people like, that you don't know about, people like uh, Paul and Fran who, who uh, come in every week to work on the gift shop. But the gift shop is not even open to the public, although you can set an appointment. If there's something during the, during the week, if you something you want to buy or just peruse the gift shop, call the office and come in during, when they're here, and they'll be happy to let you shop in the gift shop. But it's, it's wonderful. They come in every week. They're working on it, you know, since our, our dear Emma went to be with the Lord earlier this year. And, you know, you got Margaret in the library, Tom with the visuals, Anid in the prisons, all of our, all of our teachers, Rebbitz and Tiffany, she's been coming in pretty much every day the last month or so, managing some construction projects we have to refresh the synagogue some. It's, it's interesting is that she, she came to me and, and she spent about a month and a half ago said, Kevin, we need to like refreshen up the synagogue some. And I'm like, uh. Well, okay, uh, sure. And I'm thinking, I do not have time to do, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. Are you kidding me? I'm thinking, and she said, I'll do it. And I said, oh, oh okay, all right. I like that plan. I, that's a great plan. So she and Jesus have been going at it, man. They've been, they've been working and, and uh, a, lot's been, a lot's been done. I mean, the, the synagogue's been painted. 
Uh, the lobby has been repainted and redone. The bathrooms have been redone, as hopefully you saw. And, uh, and we're doing a whole bunch of work downstairs as well. It's, that's still a construction zone down there. We've still got another really probably a couple months we're working on that down there. We're, we're doing a lot of stuff. Our Revison has really had a passion. She's been working with the contractors, and uh, it's just been wonderful. I'm so grateful to that. And I love that the, the Sandra tells me we're back at Must Homeless uh, Ministry this month. So there's so many people. I don't want to leave people out. So many people are doing so many wonderful things. What is this? This action, right? George has been helping us. I look around. I can look around people different. The Ines and Richard. So many people have been helping us and been doing things. I just love help. Help your neighbor. It doesn't have to be here at the congregation. Our musicians. Wow, what a great job they've done. They've been coming and they do their prayer. So many people and, and all the elements. It doesn't have to be here at Bethlehem, but, but, but have some action. Our prayer team, wow, Terry and, and Sue and the team, amazing. Action, there should be action, not just words, action in, in our lives. Don't be like the slacker. <laughs> be the ant, be the ant. Actions speak louder than words. A member recently helped another member get a job, I heard. I heard about somebody said, well, I'm working, so-and-so gave me the referral, and now I got, the, I got a job. Praise God, good for you. See, the will of God is not accomplished by saying that you want to do the will of God. The will of God is accomplished by doing the will of God. Okay, did you follow me on that? I want to say that one more time. Let that sink into your spirit because the will of God is not accomplished by saying that you want to do the will of God. The will of God is accomplished by doing the will of God. And truthfully, so much of that is directly under your control. One of the worst things you can do in raising your children is tell them that you're gonna do something and then don't do it. It's one of the worst things that you can do. Mom and dad don't do that. If, if, you're, if you're watching this or if you're a parent here and, 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 and you're trying to raise your children right, by gosh, if you tell your children you're gonna do something, then you better do it. Or if you tell them you're not gonna do something, you better not do it. Period, end of sentence. It's just got to be. If you tell your kids that they're going to receive this or that discipline, if they do something, then follow through. You do it. Likewise, if you tell your kids that you're going to do something that they're excited about, don't fail to do it. You do it. Let's conclude with 1 John, please. 1 John chapter 3, as we get ready to close. 1 John 3, verse 18, we're given this charge. Yeladim, children, meaning us. Let us not love. Let us not love. Let us not love with word or talk, but in deed and truth. How very interesting, right? Let us not love. It's, it's so strange to hear the scriptures tell us not to love. But it says, no, let's not, let's not love with word or, or talk. In other words, it's not that you shouldn't love people with what you say. You should as well. The point here uh, is being made that that's not the, the, the point is that we've got we to love in deed and truth. That's, that's the, the priority. That is the weightier matter of the law. Love is the key. Love is why what we do is so important, what we do. Love, love. Love is why what we do is so important. Do you see it? Words are great. Words are a start. Words are important. Words have meaning and influence, but alone they are ineffective or worse. If unfulfilled, they can be destructive and your good intentions do not make up for it. 
You must take action. You must take action. The title of my message is Actions Speak Louder. Let's bow our heads. Oh, I want to ask you today. Actually, I just want to pray for each of us here today who think about it and think, wow, you know what? I could be taking more action. Intentions are well and good, and I'm, I'm glad to have good intentions, but I need to have more action. Maybe it's in a relationship with a loved one or a friend or just something in, in your career. Whatever it is, God, I pray that, that we be a congregation of action. Action, Lord. Because love is an action word. So, Lord God, this is my prayer, is that we show our love by what we do. Lord, regardless of our intentions, Lord, thank you for this charge. Thank you for this lesson. And before we close with my part, I want to ask if heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if there's anybody here who's never committed their life to Yeshua, they've never taken that step of saying, yes, I believe that Yeshua is the Messiah and I want to follow him. If you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, but you'd like to today, you'd like to say, yes, you know what? I'm ready to make that commitment to, to follow God, that action. And if you've never said that prayer, but you want to today, just lift your hand and we'll pray together. If that's you, is there anybody who's never said that prayer, but wants to? If you're watching online and if you've not said that prayer, repeat this prayer after me and the Lord will touch you and he will come into your life and he will you'll be changed on the inside. Just again, if you're watching and you've never said this prayer, repeat this after me. Dear God, I humbly come before you. I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again. I know there's something to this, Lord. He's the Messiah. Forgive me of my sins, God. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God. In Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, send us an email. Let us know that you said that prayer. We want to celebrate with you. But God, I thank you for everyone who's watching and everybody who's here today, Lord. I, I, I ask, Lord, that we, that you remind us. Okay, you with me on this, everybody? Remind us, Lord, that when that opportunity comes, whether it's intentions or our mouths, but that we actually take action. Lord, remind us to take that action, Lord God as that speaks louder. Thank you, Lord, for this and for a wonderful congregation and a great Shabbat. In Yeshua's name, amen and amen. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah 
or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Nine, nine, nine.